Welcome to Real Christianity with Mosley Collins, a weekly call to a deeper walk with God. Here's Mosley. Welcome to today's program, and we're continuing our study of the Lord's Prayer. And of course, it's called the Lord's Prayer because Jesus, the Lord, taught it to us. And today we're going to study that part of the prayer where Jesus taught us to pray, lead us not into temptation. And this is the sixth petition in the Lord's Prayer. So why don't we pray together right now the Lord's Prayer? I'll lead us and we'll, we'll pray together. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. And today, as I said, we're studying that part of the prayer where Jesus taught, lead us not into temptation. Now, the Lord's Prayer is a balanced prayer. It's not like so many of our prayers where it's, Lord, please give me this, give me that, give me a house, give me a car, give me money, give me a boyfriend, give me a girlfriend. It is, of course, better to pray about these things than not. But here, Jesus shows us a more excellent way where there are seven petitions in the Lord's Prayer, and the first three are for God's purposes, which are, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So here, Jesus is teaching us how to focus on the Lord, how to focus on God, how to focus on our heavenly Father. And that puts us in a right relationship with God. So when we do pray for our needs, we're in that right relationship. Now, in the morning, I try and pray every morning as soon as I wake up because I know that will align my life with God's purposes for my life. And I pray the expanded version of the Lord's Prayer. I pray, Our Father, my Father, I call you Father because I'm born again. I have the right to call you Father. People who are not saved don't have that right. And thank you, God, that you saved me and allow me to call you Father, who art in heaven. Heaven, that's where my true home is. That's where my true riches are. That's where I'll spend eternity with you. Hallowed be your name. Holy and praiseworthy is your name that no human being can ever truly know. And so I go on like that. And I pray the expanded version of the Lord's Prayer. And it so aligns me with God. And so aligns me with his purpose for my life for the whole day. Now let's, uh, as I said, let's go and look at the part we're going to study today. Lead us not into temptation. So today we're going to talk about temptation. Now I know some of you might be listening and say, Mosley, let's not talk about that. I don't want to think about that, Mosley. I want to talk about the blessings of God, not the temptations I must endure. Now, I'm going to tell you it's the kindness of God that he allows us to undergo temptations. And there's two really important reasons we should talk about it today. And the first is we will face temptations as Christians. We will. That's for sure. You know, they say that there's two sure things in life, death and taxes. Well, in the Christian life, one of the sure things is you will face temptation. And not talking about it will not prevent it from happening. So it's good we talk about it today and we learn how to handle it. And the second reason we should talk about it is I'm going to show you there's a great blessing in going through temptations if you know where to look. 
Now, as I said, we will face temptations. And let me give you two wonderful promises of God. The first is in 2 Peter 2.9. And it states, The Lord knows how to deliver the godly out of temptations. Let me read that again. The Lord knows how to deliver the godly out of temptations. So here you see that God wants to and God will deliver you and rescue you as you go through a temptation. Now what a wonderful promise that is. So as we discuss temptation together, I want you to remember that God will deliver you because he loves you. He won't leave you there to fall. He will deliver you because of his great love. You know, everyone in the world is gonna go through temptations, whether they're Christians or not. Everyone will be tempted to steal. Everyone will be tempted to cheat. Everyone will be tempted to lie. So the question is, does the Bible promise that God will deliver everyone? No. The Bible says he will deliver those who trust in him, who trust in his name. So you see the great advantage of being a Christian, that we have God there for us to deliver us from these temptations. Now, I want you to remember Proverbs 18.10, which says, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and are safe. And to that I say, praise God. God's love for you and for me is so deep and so faithful. You know, in ancient times, the only defense against enemies was a strong tower. If you looked out on the land, you'd see all these little huts. But you would occasionally see a strong tower where the people could run and be safe. In fact, a strong tower in Jesus' day was the only thing that could prevent you uh, from death and slavery from an enemy that came against you. And today, the name of the Lord is the only thing that'll prevent you from being a slave to sin and dying as a result of sin. Now let me give you a second wonderful promise. And this is in John 16:33. And it's Jesus speaking. And here's what he said. In the world you will have trials, tribulations, temptations. But be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. We will overcome all our trials, all our tribulations, all our temptations. Why? Because Christ overcame them and he lives in us. And he is the overcomer. Now, we will overcome these things as we have Jesus as our savior. And so I want you to, to hold on to those promises that God made to us, that he will deliver us from temptations and that Jesus in us will overcome all these temptations. Now, armed with that confidence that God will deliver us and that Jesus living in us will overcome the world, let's take a more closer look at temptation. Now, I wanna share with you the most important thing you must know about temptation if you want to live a victorious Christian life. And here it is. It is not a sin to be tempted. Now, I know you'd rather not be tempted. And that's why Jesus taught us to pray, lead us not into temptation. But living in this world where there is evil, we will be tempted. We will be given the choice to do evil or not. And so it's important to know that it's not a sin to be tempted. It is a sin to yield to the temptation, to embrace the temptation, to act on the temptation. 
Now you might say, Mosley, how do you know it's not a sin to be tempted? And if I can't prove it in the Bible, then you should reject it, but I can prove it in the Bible. In Hebrews 4, 15, the Bible says, Jesus was tempted in all the ways we are tempted, but without sinning. Let me read that to you again. Jesus was tempted in all the ways we are tempted, but without sinning. In other words, Jesus was tempted with all these things. He was tempted to lie, cheat, steal. And even though he was tempted, he never yielded to it, and therefore he never sinned. Now you see how important this is? If we are tempted, it doesn't mean that you are not a true Christian. In fact, if you are a true Christian, you will be tempted. Now there are many temptations, and let's consider a few. We're tempted to steal. We're tempted to lust. We're tempted to think Jesus is not real and all this is just something someone made up. We're tempted to think we're not saved. Now, you are not temp being tempted any differently than all Christians. And just to be tempted is not a sin. And as I said, Jesus was tempted in all these ways and the Bible says he didn't sin. The sin comes from embracing the temptation, from acting on it. So let's make this more clear by looking at four people from the Bible. Two who embraced the temptation and fell, and two who rejected the temptation and did not fall. So the first person we'll look at is Eve in the Garden of Eden. And for that we'll look at Genesis 3 verses 1 through 6. Let me read that to you. The serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. One day he asked the woman, did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? Of course we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, the woman replied. It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we are not allowed to eat. God said, you must not eat it or even touch it. If you do, you will die. You won't die, the servant replied to the woman. God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it, and you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. The woman was convinced. She saw the tree was beautiful and the fruit looked delicious, and she wanted the wisdom it would give. So she took some of the fruit and ate it. All right, that's the account of someone who was tempted and then fell. Now, Eve knew that God said, don't eat the tree of that fruit, but rather the fruit of that tree. And the Bible says, whoever knows to do good and does it not, to him it is sin. So Eve knew right from wrong. Now it was not Eve's fault that the serpent spoke to her. It wasn't a sin to be tempted by the serpent. And the devil always has a similar approach when he comes to us as he did to Eve. He wants to tell us, you know, God's not being honest with you in what he said in the Bible. God has ulterior motives. God doesn't want to, you to reach your full potential. You know, he wrote those things in the Bible, but he doesn't really want you to be happy. And that's essentially what the serpent was saying to Eve. God, God knows something else. He told you not to eat the tree for another reason. Now Eve should have said, when he was, she was offered the fruit, she should have said, no, God said not to. And then it would have been over. And then she would have endured that temptation but had not have sinned because she received the temptation and rejected it. But instead, Eve said yes. And she looked at it. And she embraced the idea of eating it. And it, 
and it looked good to her, and it looked like it would improve her life, even though God said no, and she did eat of it. Now, and as a result, she fell. Now, just for, just to be more interesting about it, let's, let's apply this to our personal life. Let's say you're married or engaged, and at work or at school, you meet a handsome man or a pretty woman who wants to be with you. Now, so far, you haven't sinned. It's not your fault they want to be with you. But if you say, I know God is against this, but that person could really make me happy, and you begin to embrace that idea, and you begin to act on it, and you begin to say, you know, God doesn't realize how tiresome my wife or husband is. I think I'll enter into that. Now, that's sin. Let's look at another person who fell, and that would be David. And for that, we want to go to 2 Samuel chapter 11, verses 1 through 4. And here's what the Bible says. In the spring of the year, when kings normally go out to war, David sent Joab and the Israelite army to fight the Ammonites. And they destroyed the Ammonite army and laid siege to the city of Rabab. However, David stayed behind in Jerusalem. Late one afternoon, after his midday rest, David got out of bed and was walking on the roof of the palace. As he looked out over the city, he noticed a woman of unusual beauty taking a bath. He sent someone to find out who she was, and he was told, She's Bathsheba, daughter of Elam, and the wife of Uriah the Hittite. Then David sent messengers to get her, and when she came to the palace, he slept with her. Okay, now here's my question to you. When did, what, when, when you see what David did, when did that go from being a temptation, which is not a sin, to embracing it, which is a sin? If we go back and look at it. He looked out over the city, and he saw someone, and she was beautiful. And he sent someone and said, you know, who is she? And they said, oh, that's Bathsheba, the wife of Uriah. Okay, at that point, there is no sin because David has done no wrong. But his mistake is to embrace the sin and say, you know, even though she's the wife of Uriah, even though God doesn't want me to do this, I'm gonna sin for her and I'm gonna sleep with her. And that's what he did. Now, when he did that, he broke two of the 10 commandments. Commandment number 10 is you shall not covet, including your neighbor's wife. And number seven is you shall not commit adultery. So he knew to do good, but he did it not. He embraced the temptation. And because he embraced it, he fell. Now, let's look at someone who didn't fall. And that, for that, we look for, to Joseph. And Joseph is in Genesis 39, 7 through 12. And let me just set this up a little bit. Joseph was sold by his brothers into slavery, and he was taken down into Egypt. And he was bought by a man named Potiphar, who was an Egyptian uh, army officer. And he was made uh, a servant in Potiphar's house. And he began to do everything well. And God began to bless Joseph. And the more uh, good things he did and the more blessings God placed on him, he rose up in Potiphar's house until Potiphar put him in charge of everything. So here we pick it up at uh, verse 7. And Potiphar had a wife, and we'll read about her. And so here's what the Bible says. Joseph was a very handsome and well-built young man, and Potiphar's wife soon began to look at him lustfully. Come and sleep with me, she demanded. 
But Joseph refused. Look, he told her, my master trusts me with everything in his entire household. No one has more authority than me. He has held back nothing from me except you, because you are his wife. How could I do such a wicked thing? It would be a great sin against God. She kept putting pressure on Joseph day after day, but he refused to sleep with her, and he kept out of her way as much as possible. One day, however, no one else was around when he went in to do his work. She came and grabbed him by the cloak, demanding, Come on, sleep with me. Joseph tore himself away, but he left his cloak in her hand as he ran from the house. How different Joseph is than Eve or David. Joseph understood right from wrong, and he chose right. He was presented with a temptation, Potiphar's wife wanting to sleep with him, but he did not embrace it, and therefore he did not sin. You see, does it, when you read what Joseph said, Potiphar has given me authority and everything is helping except you. That's so similar when God said, you can eat of all the trees in the garden except one. There was only one tree of the garden that Joseph couldn't eat of, and that was Potiphar's wife, and he understood that. And unlike David, he understood there would be a great sin to sleep with another man's wife. And so here's a young man who was tempted, but without sin. He did what God promised him. You know, the Bible says you should flee sexual lust. And that's what this young man, Joseph, did. And here's a promise from God in 1 Corinthians 10, 13. And here's what the Bible says. The temptations you face are no different from what other Christians are experiencing. But God is faithful, and he will not allow the temptation to be more than you can endure. So with every temptation, he will provide you with a way of escape. Well, what was the way of escape God provided for Joseph? He had to just turn around and run out of the room. So finally, let's look at Jesus. Now, I'm going to read you from Matthew chapter 4 about the temptation of Jesus to prove to you that you cannot, that you can be uh, tempted and not sin. So let's read what the Bible says, beginning verse 1, chapter 4. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil. Let me stop here for a minute. You see what the Bible's saying? It's quite extraordinary. Jesus was led by the Spirit of, the, of God into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. In other words, it was God's plan to allow Jesus to be tempted here. And it was the kindness of God that allowed him to be tempted because Jesus was going to come through this temptation and he was going to be stronger than ever. And that's what God intends for us. When we go through a temptation, it's not for us to fail. It's not for us to fall. We go through a temptation because God wants to be there for us. God wants us to come out relying on him stronger than ever. So let's go back to what the Bible says. In verse, uh, picking up verse 2, For 40 days and 40 nights he fasted and became very hungry. During that time the devil came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. But Jesus told him, No, the scriptures say, People do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city, Jerusalem, to the highest point of the temple, and said, If you are the Son of God, jump off, for the scriptures say, He will order his angels to protect you, 
and they will hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. But Jesus replied, the scriptures also say, you must not test the Lord your God. Next, the devil took him to the peak of a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. I will give all this to you, he said, if you will kneel down and worship me. Get out of here, Satan, Jesus told him, for the scriptures say, you must worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil went away and the angels came and took care of Jesus. So here we have the Bible describing three temptations, and yet the Bible says Jesus was without sin. So clearly, it is not a sin to be tempted. Now, what would you do if you did fall? I know some people listening to me right now are worried because you're thinking back of once when you fell. You were tempted and embraced it. And that's something we've all gone through. And I don't want you to be condemned by that. So what should we do if we sin? What should we do if we yield to a temptation, if we embrace embrace a temptation, if we act on one? You know, in James 3, 2, it says, we all make many mistakes. So I don't want you to be too condemned. We all make mistakes. We all fall short. What I want you to do if you're worried about it, if you feel condemned about it. I want you to turn to God right now and ask for his forgiveness. Now here's what we read in 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all wickedness. That's it. Do you notice the Bible says that God considers it faithful and just that he forgive our sins? And so it is forgiven and it is forgotten by God. So I want you to pray with me right now. Let's pray and ask God to forgive us our sins when we fell short. I'll lead you in a prayer and you pray after me. Father, in Jesus' name, I ask you to forgive me my sins as I forgive others who sinned against me. And I embrace Jesus as my Savior and as my Lord. Amen. And so the Lord's Prayer teaches us and to pray, Lord, lead us not into temptation. Yet we know there is evil in the world and there is temptation. God will not shield us from all evil and from all temptation. It is the love of God that we go through temptation. Could that be true? Yes. It's the love of God that we go through. Because in James 1:12 we read, blessed is the person that endures temptation. For when he has tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to them that love him. Do you want to receive a crown from God himself? And will you endure temptation to receive that crown? Now, in James 6, 2 through 4, we read, to count it all joy when we fall into temptations, knowing that God is gonna deliver us and bless us and give us a crown of life. So be faithful with me in this thing, my brothers and sisters, and I will see you next week. And God bless you.
Thank you for joining us for Real Christianity. We hope you've been blessed and encouraged by today's message from Mosley Collins. Mosley lives with his family in the Sacramento area. He's available to teach at your church, Christian group, or Bible study. There is never a charge for his ministry. If you have questions about today's subject or you wish to invite Mosley to come speak to your group, you can reach him at 916-444-4444. 